Hello and welcome to another lockdown edition of Order Order, Mail Plus Radio's politics podcast with me, Simon Walters, Assistant Editor of the Daily Mail. And me, Amanda Platel, columnist for the Daily Mail, in my house in North London, desperately trying to find another house to be in a bubble with me. And coming up, we celebrate the emergence of two brilliant black male role models. Patrick Hutchinson, the man who carried an injured white protester to safety in the violent clashes in London, and of course, this man. Yeah, I was obviously obviously shocked. Um, it's, it's a big decision for, for someone to make. Um, and, you know, I'm just grateful that, that, he, that, that the Prime Minister did uh, change his decision. And former Cabinet Minister Andrew Mitchell describes how Boris Johnson looked him in the eye a year ago and promised he would not scrap the Department for International Development and then did just that. For too long, frankly, a UK uh, overseas aid has been treated to some giant cash point in the sky uh, that arrives uh, without any reference uh, to UK interests or to the the values that the UK uh, wishes to express or or the priorities, diplomatic, political or commercial, of the government of the UK. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google and Spotify, or leave us a review. And email us at any time at orderorder at mailplus.co.uk. England footballer Marcus Rashford has long been famous with soccer fans. Now he's a household name after forcing the government to do a U-turn and provide free school meals during the summer holidays. Mind you, Marcus does not seem to have registered yet with the health secretary, Matt Hancock. Um, The um, Prime Minister... Uh, talk to uh, Daniel Rashford. Well, Boris Johnson may be the man who lives in number 10, but there's only one number 10 politics he's talking about this week. It's Marcus Rashford, the number 10 of Manchester United. And he's really won quite a remarkable victory by getting the government to change its mind on this issue of free school meals. Um, Maybe we should have Marcus in number 10 and not Boris, Amanda. (laughs) <laughs> That's a fine thought, Simon. Uh, it, it is extraordinary. The thing I love most about this um, this whole story and his campaign is that he we've had so much kind of anger and violence recently about Black Lives Matter. So much, um, you know, things just that just a sense of real sheer anger. And the, here's this guy quietly spoken. He does an interview. He sets up a campaign. It's just been it's been like the best of the campaign for me. Mm, I, th- I thought it was very telling talking about his demeanour, how, how, how calm and laid back he was when the Work and Pensions Secretary, Therese Coffey, rather tactlessly took issue with something Rashford had said about people having their water supplies cut off. And, and he simply said, I'm very disappointed. This is the only time you've take, paid any attention to my campaign. It was almost like he was acting like a sort of mature, sophisticated politician. He was, he was, he was, like like, she, was she was acting like a Twitter troll. I know. And, she, and he was the grown-up. And extraordinary that, um, that the government's been so tone-deaf on, on, on um, his campaign that Boris hadn't even heard about it for three yeah. days. It's yeah. been on every single TV show radio show, every newspaper. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the only thing that, that really I, I would take issue with over, over this whole thing is um, Rashford, of course, is... Um, which team does he play for, Simon? Ah, well, I was going to say to you... I was Man gonna say- United. And who is my team playing on Friday? Yes. Um, Spurs are playing them. And I'm really worried that he's the striker. You know, he's, 
he's just going to be so, he's going to be like superhuman. He'll probably wear his underpants over his shorts. I'm, um, I'm, I'm afraid this I'm time the, the, the whole country is going to be behind Manchester United. It'll certainly be behind Marcus Rashford <sighs> and not, not on your side, Amanda. I think what is interesting about this is the, the messiness of the government's campaign against COVID. I mean, they, I mean they've, had a, they've had a manner from heaven this week with the arrival of this wonder drug, which, which cuts the, the risk of death. I mean, uh, dexamethasone, I think it's called, which is amazing. And actually, I think it couldn't have come at a better time for Boris Johnson because he has not handled it very well. And the, and the whole end of this crisis is looking very messy. The government is stuck on this quarantine idea. They're stuck on two metres. And it looks to me like Boris has been kind of paralysed by the errors he made at the beginning by delaying lockdown. And he's now terrified of, of, of taking the, the slightly bolder approach that I think most people uh, would, would like to see. Interesting that you use the word terrified because I have a very good friend who is similar age to Boris who was in intensive care for three weeks with this and she said that the thing that's most crippled her since she's been out of hospital is a sense of, of hideous timidity mm. and she's frightened um, and this is a really ballsy East End woman and mother and she said, you know, I'm having panic attacks, I'm fearful the whole time and I just wonder if, you know, Part of Boris's problem is that he's really still going through the aftermath of this disease. He's not the Boris we knew. We can't get away from that. Little known fact, Simon, which football team does Boris Johnson support? Well, I'd imagine it'd be something obscure and, and rather grand, like the Corinthian casuals or something. <laughs> he doesn't support one. How can we have a prime minister? He must be the first prime minister in history that doesn't support a football team. It's better than <laughs> David Cameron, who, who made a big song and dance about supporting Aston Villa, and then in an interview accidentally said that he supported West Ham instead. <laughs> which, of uh, course, is your to your team, which is almost in the relegation zone. Simon, good luck with that, sweetie. It is. I like the fact that Boris is true to his colours. He's not really a football fan, so he doesn't pretend to support one. Good on him, I say. Former Tory Secretary of State for International Development, Andrew Mitchell, says Boris Johnson's abolition of the department that he used to run shows the Conservative Party is, to quote Mitchell, returning to type. Not the nasty party all over again, surely. Mitchell explained to me why he feels so let down by the Prime Minister. First of all, he will destroy one of the most effective and respected engines that promotes international development anywhere in the world, Secondly, many of the senior figures who are key to Britain's role as a development superpower will be likely to leave and work elsewhere in the international system, destroying at a stroke a key aspect of global Britain, and Geneva and New York's gain will be Britain's loss. And thirdly, this, uh, this change that's been announced, this, um, this uh, destruction of DFID, is completely unnecessary. As the Prime Minister exercises full control over everything DFID does, all its priorities and spending, through the National Security Council. And, and, you know, it is frankly ridiculous to say that he's got to uh, dismantle DFID in order to get more money into the Balkan states and less money into Africa. If that is what he wants to do, all the Prime Minister has to do is lift up the phone. He doesn't even need to lift it up himself. Get hold of his development secretary and say, I'm putting on the next agenda of the National Security Council a change in the structure. I want to give more money to the Balkans, less to Africa. 
and hey presto it happened but but then what is your response to to what the prime minister said in the commons yesterday when he said it's it's ludicrous that that we have officials going around the world um asking or uh, diplomats asking african leaders not to cut off the head of their opponents and the next day someone from diffid is arriving with a 250 million pound check well unfortunately i wasn't in the chamber yesterday to ask him a question but um uh, the first question is, where has that ever happened? And the truth is, it's never happened anywhere. Of course, no, you don't have a situation where uh, the British platform overseas talks with uh, one hand one day and the other hand the next. The British platforms overseas are run by the uh, British ambassador or the British high commissioner. They are the senior figure, of course. And the DFID representative, where DFID representatives are placed, are part of their team. And uh, there has never been a situation where what the Prime Minister described has happened. It, is it true that um, during the Conservative leadership contest that um, Boris Johnson said to you specifically that he would not scrap Diffid? Yes, it's true. In fact, he said it twice. He said it in my office and he also said it in the office uh, around the corner from the House of Commons a few days before the end of the contest. Can you just play us back the conversation you had with him then? So, so he, he was with you. How did the conversation go when he said that? Well, I, I, don't, think, I don't think I'm going to uh, uh, spell it out word for word, not least because I might not get every word right. But, but the question was whether or not uh, he would dismantle Diffid, whether Diffid would be safe, and he said Diffid would be safe under him. Is this another example of Boris Johnson being a bit flippant with the truth? I have no idea. He may, I mean, you know, let us be kind and suggest that he has changed his mind. You must admit, Andrew, that there is a huge, there's clear public support for the view that Britain spending £15 billion on, on overseas aid when some of the projects seem highly dubious, when there are so many things we need money for here, particularly at this moment after COVID-19. There is a lot of public support for this, isn't there? Well, but there are two different things, Simon. The first is the budget, and he's not changing that. Indeed, he specifically said yesterday he was standing by the 0.7. And, of course, because of the very grave economic circumstances, the 0.7 will go down. It's one of the reasons why the development budget is determined as a, a tiny percentage of our gross national income is to allow for changes. But, the, you know, there's a huge change, and that money will go, that money will go down. But the change yesterday... That doesn't bear at all on the issue of the funds. The funds remain the same. They remain at 0.7. It bears upon the structure, the way in which those funds are dispersed. And it's an open secret in Whitehall that the Foreign Office isn't very good with money. The Foreign Office does words. Diffid does money. And, you know, when Tony Blair used to go to international conferences where money was going to be discussed with the Foreign Office, he always used to take with him a senior Diffid official because Diffid is very good with funds. And so... So yesterday is not about uh, the overall level of spending. It's about the way that money is, is spent. And, you know, to be blunt, uh, British diplomats are brilliant uh, at uh, managing the diplomacy of our country, standing up for Britain overseas. But uh, to ask them or to expect them to be in charge of multi-million pound disbursements of development money, which have to be monitored extremely carefully so that we can assure taxpayers they're getting 100 pence of value for every pound spent. That is not a skill that diplomats have. You clearly imply that the Foreign Office is, is not as efficient at spending this money as Diffid is. So do you think British taxpayers will get less good value for money under this new system? Well, there is every danger of that. And that's one of the reasons why it's so important that the Independent Commission of Aid Impact, the ICAI, which is the taxpayer's ally and friend, should not be emasculated as a result of this change.
do you think this is just a piece of window dressing since as you've pointed out the prime minister said he intends to spend the same amount of money on overseas aid that all this is really is a piece of window dressing scrap the department for international development and people will think less money is being spent on aid when that's not the case well the the uh, i sincerely hope that that is is not True. No, but, but do, you, do you think it's a is it is it a stunt essentially? All the all the examples that uh, you have raised and that others raised about bad expenditure, China, um, some spending through the Newton Fund, particularly in South America, investigating the mating habits of the flatfish off the coast of Madagascar. These are all foreign office use of development money. They are not uh, dipped spending. Oh, so so you think actually the the, wor- the worst abuses of this of this of this money is by the Foreign Office, not by DFID. Absolutely. Uh, would you like to see a future Conservative government restore this department? I'm deeply saddened that it's going to be, if, if this reform goes through. I mean, it's a very odd reform to put through now. We're just at the start of the uh, Security and Defence Review, which is an enormously important uh, exercise to determine what, what Britain does internationally, what global Britain is now that we've left the European Union. That process is at the beginning, and you would have expected any machinery of government changes to come at the end of that process and not uh, towards the beginning of it. So it's very odd timing. Um, I think that, you know, the Tory governments in the past have always, twice before, dismantled the Department for International Development. As I said at the beginning, the Department for International Development is the is the most effective and respective procurer of international development around the world. And um, to see the Tory party reverting to type and axing it for a third time is deeply depressing. I thought that we had got over uh, all of this when we came to power in 2010 under David Cameron's leadership. So I'm extremely saddened that we appear to have, what's the word, receded, reverted, and, regressed, and, whatever the word is. And Adam, first of all, can we clear out one important matter? What is your position on the mating habits of flatfish off Madagascar? <laughs> Do you know, Simon, I've long been fascinated by it. And I think it's really right that part of our 14.6 billion spend last year goes on such subjects. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of, of Mitchell. Um, I, I like him very much. I understand where he's coming from. But Difford's dead as a dodo. It's been one of the most unpopular um, sort of virtue signalling policies ever to be brought in. David Cameron only did it to try and make um, the Tories look like they're a nicer party. And, and in fact, most people, I would guarantee if we did a poll tomorrow, the majority of people think it's been a waste of money and especially now during the coronavirus and our economic meltdown, they think that that money should be spent here. I thought actually one of the things he said that struck me at the end was he, he said that this is the Tory party reverting to type. I know, and he, horrible. It he, just he, makes me well, sick when I hear that. But he didn't, he didn't quite say it, but what he was really getting at was he was implying that the Tory party is, is reverting to what Theresa May called in the 90s was the nasty party. And, of course, the Tory party spent a long time in ditching that tag, and part of ditching that tag was embracing overseas aid. There, there, are, there are dangers to this, I think. Yeah, but the, oh, oh, crikey, Simon, you're the last person I, I, I think would go all soft on this. I mean, um, Wokey Walters, crikey. Um, 
This has been unpopular from the very beginning. People knew it was just pure window dressing. They could not understand when we have so much poverty in this country, so many social issues which are now coming right to the fore. I think what Boris did um, in ditching this, which is what effectively he's done, is going to be incredibly popular. It gives him a bit of a bit of a bounce. Um, and 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 I although I did laugh when Andrew said um, um, Boris looked me in the eye and he lied straight faced as yeah, I do, tried. Do, do you think <laughs> Ask Marina, his ex-wife, about how Boris can look you in the eye and lie. I I, I, I I did hear that. You can imagine the scene, can't you? Andrew, <laughs> Andrew Mitchell, who's passionate about overseas aid. And Boris, I, ju I just need one final piece of reassurance. Because <laughs> you're, you're not going to abolish DFID, are you? Andrew, of course. Andrew DFID, it means everything to me. I'm totally committed. Totally committed. I will be loyal to DFID for a lifetime. Yes, well, and poor old Andrew not. Mitchell is not the first, not the first man or person who's been led up the garden path by seductive Boris Johnson. Oh, excuse me, that's not very woke, Walters. <laughs> okay, uh, hold uh, on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> a serious alert to all listeners: Amanda Patel is clearing her throat. <laughs> I'm gargling. <laughs> That may be the most musical thing that comes out of the throat. <laughs> Stop that. My music teacher says I'm really improving. Now, in the light, now that we move to the topical tune part of the show, um, there's been a lot of talk this week about, um, about hunger. And, of course, there's another great freedom fighter, Bruce Springsteen, who is the working class hero. So my song is... Hunger Road. Everybody's got a hungry heart. Lay down your money and you play your part. Everybody's got a... No, I got that bit wrong. Everybody's got a ha-ha hungry heart. What do you reckon? Well, is that getting better? I've got to admit there is an improvement. And if we're, if we're still here in the year 2055, <laughs> <laughs> you might sing a note on tune. Am I really off key? You're improving, actually. I, I hate to admit it, but you are improving. Jesus. First nice thing you've ever said to me. Mm, I'm blushing. I'm blushing. Okay, what have you got? Okay, what dirge? Unknown. Uh, this is not a dirge. This, this is certainly a, it's a lovely tune, and it's certainly topical. It's from 1968, so it's part of my childhood, but obviously you were way years from being born then. <laughs> it's... It is, of course, in the, in, the, in the week that Marcus Rashford secured free school meals for children. It is from Lionel Bart's musical, Oliver, and it is food glorious food. <laughs> and Good it choice. includes the lines that have been written by Marcus Radford. Every day we say our prayer, will they change the bill of fare? What wouldn't we give for that extra bit more? And thanks to Marcus, they've got it. That's all we've got time for this week. Don't forget, you'll be able to listen back to this and all our other Mail Plus radio podcasts at mailplus.co.uk or via Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And join us next week for more highly informed 
political chat. But for now, that's all from me, Simon Walters. And from me, Amanda Platel. One, One, two, two, three. Do it again. No, I missed that cue. Do it again. One, two, three. Goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) We always get that off. (laughs) 